Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and while there's no games going on, there is plenty off-season news to talk about. And boy, this is a lesson in waiting 24 hours, because after the... Uh, you know, after Cal Quantrill got the um, the DFA, I was ready to come on and do an episode. And I was like, you know what? Just just wait another day. Wait one more day. You'll do it. You'll do it over the weekend. It'll be fine. And what happens? Cal Quantrill gets traded to the Colorado Rockies. Wow. Wow. And uh, yeah, uh, didn't see that one coming. Uh, I, I mean... Did see it coming because the point of the DFA was to trade him, but I didn't see it happening so fast. And I thought, okay, I, I got to get on here. I got to talk about Cal Quantrill. And then I wait. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to wait till the morning. I'll do it Saturday morning. And then there we go. The Guardians make another trade, and they trade Enlo De Los Santos to the Padres and bring back Scott Barlow, the former Kansas City Royals setup man and closer. <laughs> So, yeah, good thing I waited 24 hours to do this episode. Otherwise, I would have missed a ton of news. And frankly, the way everything's going in Major League Baseball right now, I, suddenly this has turned into trade season. Uh, apparently, the Guardians aren't the only one dealing with, you know, 40-man roster issues ahead of the uh, Rule 5 draft and all these non-tender deadlines and stuff like that. I don't remember a November getting this hot this quickly. Uh, in the offseason, in the MLB offseason. But, I mean, it feels like the writers at MLB Trade Rumors are, uh, you know, burning out their keyboards trying to keep up with everything. So, uh, yes, lots of action to talk about. But that's actually not where I want to start the show today. That's not even the main reason why I wanted to do an episode here in November. Uh, quickly, we have to talk about a problem in the Guardians fandom. It might just be a Twitter thing. I know a lot of you probably don't bother with the twi- that Guardian's Twitter crowd, but one of our guys got a pretty cool recognition. Uh, Tanner Bybee got the runner-up to Rookie of the Year, which is a pretty cool recognition of Bybee's season. He was really good. Re- of the three rookies that came up, he was the one that really excelled. Gavin Williams had his moments, got his strikeouts, but Bybee definitely seemed like ace material. And so, yeah, top rookie pitcher, but, you know, Gunnar Henderson was, you know, a star there in Baltimore. And uh, a lot of the awards this season were kind of runaway awards. I mean, the MVPs. Uh, were pretty obvious. Uh, so yeah, and Otani and uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. And the same thing with the rookies of the year. I think everybody knew it was going to be Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll. So Bybee gets recognized as the runner-up, which is pretty cool for him. And instead of being excited about that, and instead of being congratulatory towards Bybee, everything turns toxic with this a new rule in place that if you are uh you know in the running for rookie of the year i believe i don't know if it's the top 3 or the top 2 but you get credited with a full year of service time because of that the team then gets um some salary uh or some some draft uh 
considerations because now that player is one year closer to free agency, so you get some draft considerations and get some some extra picks because of it. So it's a weird rule, but remember, it was part of the bargaining agreement between the players and the owners to protect the players and to protect service time manipulation. And we all sat here and said, boo the Chicago Cubs for messing with Chris Bryant. Boo Cubs owners. And now one of our players, because of this rule, is going to have one less year of service time. And everybody in Cleveland fandom, inst- at least on Twitter, instead of being excited for the kid, is saying, boo, oh, this sucks. Oh, man, what a terrible rule. Oh, we're so screwed. And then taking it a step further and going, oh, don't bring out Kyle Manzardo. Like, don't give him a chance to win Rookie of the Year. That would be the worst thing ever. That's just toxic. That is toxic fandom right there. That is the worst kind of attitude a fan could possibly have. And you could tell me, Dave, but, but Davey, from a money standpoint, it makes sense. From the owner's standpoint and the general manager's standpoint and the team president's standpoint, it makes sense. And I'm saying that's not your job. Your job is to be a fan and to support the player and root for the player and celebrate his accomplishments. Celebrate the fact that, uh, you know, Tanner Bybee blew people away. Um, that he uh, he pitched to a, a 2.98 ERA and a 3.52 whip and had a three war as a rookie pitcher. Uh, it's pretty good stuff uh, statistically from Tanner Bybee. Like, we should be celebrating that and what the future holds for Tanner Bybee as... Possibly as the ace as early as the 2025 season, right? If Beaver just pitches his last season in Cleveland and then rides off into the free agency sunset, uh, they extend him a qualifying offer, he turns it down, he rides off into that free agency sunset, then, yeah, Bybee McKenzie can compete for who that ace of the staff will be, who would be that opening day starter in 2025, who'd be a game, a game one starter if we do make the playoffs in 2024, because it might not be Bieber. I mean, he might get the honorary opening day start just for his longevity here, uh, but I don't think that makes him the ace necessarily of the staff for the 2024 season. Uh, so, yeah, I just fans. Get over yourself. Try Stop trying to outsmart the game. Stop trying to outsmart management and stuff like that. You suck all the fun out of this game when you do that. I want to see Manzardo here from day one, and I hope he wins Rookie of the Year because I hope he's that good. And we get to see some talented baseball playing. So celebrate Tanner Bybee. Don't fall into that trap. Don't. I don't care what the future holds in five years. I don't. If he's that good then management should sign him to a long-term contract anyways. Lock him up right now for seven or eight seasons. You did it with uh, Andres Jimenez. You've done it with other You did it with Miles Straw, for crying out loud. Work it out with Tanner Bybee. I guess of the three, maybe Gavin Williams now is the cheaper one. Maybe you work it out with Gavin Williams. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if two or three more long-term contracts get handed out by, uh, by the front office. To try to look, because you have so many young players. You've got to take a little bit of roster uncertainty off of your hands, right? You would, you would think it would help as a front office to get a little bit of that uncertainty out of there by taking guys like Andres Jimenez and uh, signing them up for uh, long-term contracts. 
And Tanner Bybee and Gavin Williams are the, the perfect two candidates right there. So, yeah, so I'm happy for Tanner Bybee. It it was a hell of a season. Um, yeah, you know, the strikeout rate uh, wasn't as high as it was in the minors, but, of course, you're, you're not going to expect that. It was still a very good strikeout-to-walk ratio. Um, it was better than it was in AAA, although we only pitched a few games at AAA before getting called up. Uh, in AAA, it was 2.38 strikeouts-to-walk ratio. In the majors, it was 3.13. Now, it doesn't touch what he was doing in his very in his his first major league se- or minor league season uh where he had that strikeout to walk ratio up over five and six but uh still very very good i mean a 1.18 whip uh for a guy facing major league hitters for the first time very competitive he held them into a 228 average against so yeah so by me congratulations on the recognition uh congratulations on the service time I hope you do get paid because you're a good baseball player. All right. Uh, speaking of Andres Jimenez, did we even? I don't even know if we covered the fact that he got the, the platinum glove. Not only just the gold glove, he got the platinum glove, recognized as the best defensive player in the American League. All positions. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I know Andres Jimenez regressed offensively. But still, he is something special on the baseball field. And guys guys have seasons like that. Guys have seasons where they step back. And you hope, you hope that whatever philosophy Steven Vogt brings to this team and whatever influence he has over the hitters and the hitting coach, whatever that new philosophy is going to be moving forward, it, imp- it impacts Andres Jimenez and wakes up Andres Jimenez's bat. And get some of that pop, some of that power back into Andres Jimenez's bat. Because he is a big key to the success of this team. If he plays at all-star level, like it really, really affects this offense. If Quan Ramirez and Naylor are the, a consistent what they do, and Andres Jimenez steps up his game, that instantly, instantly puts this offense into at least a slightly better category than they were last year. So congratulations to him as well on the Platinum Glove. All right, now let's talk about these trades. Because, again, you don't expect the Guardians usually sit and sit and sit and wait. And, uh, yeah, now now we've got some trades to talk about. So Cal Quantrill. Oh, Cal Quantrill. So he gets traded to the Colorado Rockies, where he's got a pitch in cores now. Um, You see how this trade made sense for the Colorado Rockies. But, uh, you know, they got a chance to get a guy who, uh, at one point in his career, right, uh, was a 15-game winner. Uh, So, yeah, you know, they got that. Um, Right in 2022, he won 15 games. Yeah, 15 and five with a 3.380 ERA. So Colorado's taking a chance that that guy's still hanging around somewhere. But if you look at the numbers and you look at the metrics, it was a pretty rough season for Cal Quantrill. Like, honest to God, I, I know that everything Antonetti said, I know everything Antonetti said can really turn you off here. Um, so they had to uh, protect Espino, Daniel Espino, and reliever Cade Smith 
They wanted to protect him from the Rule 5 draft, so they add him to the 40-man roster, and Cal Quantrill and Michael Kelly get DFA'd because of it. Michael Kelly, I don't think anybody's worried about that. Cal Quantrill was the one that got everybody in Guardians Twitter, uh, you know, uh, pretty pretty worked up, we'll say. So what it does, by instead of non-tendering Quantrill, by, uh, by DFAing him, it gives them a chance to trade him. It gave them like a week to kind of work things out. And he was estimated to make, I think it was 6.6 million in arbitration was the estimated number. And yeah, so they uh, they uh, they work out a trade. They save some money here. Now, the thing that's got everyone mad is what's going on with the TV contracts. So it looks like Bally Sports might not be able to pay the Guardians their TV contract, which... Uh, Diamond Sports Group, who owned Bally's, paid the Guardians $55 million last season. And Antonetti said that might have a direct impact on what they're able to spend in 2024 if this TV contract thing isn't worked out. And then there was news that Bally's might just straight up drop the Guardians and the Texas Rangers. They might just straight drop them uh, to try to figure out how to save themselves from bankruptcy. And it's been an absolute disaster absolute disaster since Bally's took over. Um, frankly, I, frankly, I hope Bally's drops him and we figure out another way to watch Guardians games because have you been watching the Bally Sports app lately to watch Cavs games? It is a nightmare. Nightmare. It used to, it used to at least remember, you know, your, your information and once every three weeks you would have to like reconnect your cable TV provider to the app. Every single Cavs game, you got to sign in. You got to use your little tiny Roku remote and, you know, type in on the keyboard there and uh, connect your TV provider and go uh, jump through hoops just to get the Cavs game on. And then the app will crash after like 10 minutes and you got to you got to restart the game. So it's been a garbage app since they updated it for the Cavs season. Absolute garbage app. And uh, yeah. So, the, anyways, them not paying us means that we don't know what we can spend this season because we got no much idea what money's coming in. By the way, wasn't David Blitzer supposed to help with all this? Where's the David Blitzer money? I didn't hear that in Antonetti's comments. All I heard about was this TV contract money. So, yeah, they're going to be frugal, basically, because of the TV contract. And Antonetti straight up said it in this interview with the media. And uh, part of that is Cal Quantrill. They don't want to pony up 6.6. Now, ever, however, however, see, if I would have podcasted yesterday, I wouldn't have had this pit, this bit of the information. Wouldn't have had this. He did say that by freeing up the 6.6, it they will allocate it to other places on the team. And then they go out and give the San Diego Padres some salary relief. And trade De Los Santos for Scott Barlow. Now, Barlow is estimated to be making, let's see here, uh, $7.1 million in his final year of salary arbitration. So, yeah, I, they probably don't swing this trade for Barlow without trading Cal Quantrill to the Rockies. So, all right, getting back to Cal Quantrill, it, it was a terrible season. His expected ERA was in the sixth percentile in all of baseball. The bottom of the bottom 6% in all of baseball. His expected batting average, bottom 5th percent. 
His whiff rate, bottom 6%. His K percentage was the worst. The worst. First percentile in all of baseball. The worst. His pitching run value was 15th percentile. Minus 11. One of the worst in baseball. So Quantrill was not good last year. Not at all. 2022, those numbers were much more respectable. His pitching run value was in the 60th percentile. Plus 5. Much more respectable. Um, but yeah, I mean, 2023 was a disaster and, you know, he pitching injured, he, he, he pitching with a lot of injury problems that really affected his season. And yes, looking at his splits when he came back in September and October, he did, he pitched to a 2.76 ERA in September, October, much more respectable than what he was doing earlier in the season when it was over a five ERA. I'm not going to really count June and July because he like made one appearance in each of those months. And it wasn't for seven and two-thirds combined innings. So it was a disaster. He went back on the IL. Um, but September, yes, he, he did bounce back a little bit. Uh, however, uh, you know, the uh, the expected, uh, the weighted on base percentage was still about what it was in May, April and May. Um I, I don't have that great of splits here. Uh, oh, here's some more advanced splits here. Um, so, yeah, his K percentage stayed about the same. His strikeout-to-walk ratio was 1.54 in September. It's about what it was in March, April, in April and May. Uh, hovering right around 1.5, 1.8. Um, not much changed. Cut down on the home runs a little bit. Uh, slightly up on the strikeouts. Went from a 12.8% strikeout rate at the beginning of the season. In that September, he was up to 14.6. But the walks also went up. So, yeah, it just... There's not much here that I can say, like, was really improved. Really improved uh, in September and October, except for ERA, except for literally the amount of runs he gave up. Um... In September, October versus April and May. So did he come back and pitch a little bit better? Okay, a little. A little. But was it like encouraging enough to say that he would be in the rotation this year? No, he was projected to maybe move into the bullpen or be, a, you know, that sixth starting pitcher behind Bieber, McKenzie, Bybee, uh, Williams, and Allen. And are you going to pay $6.6 million for a guy to be the sixth starting pitcher on your team. It it didn't make sense to this front office. So they're they moved on and they found a way. Look, they traded for a single A pitcher. Uh I I don't know if this guy's gonna have much of an impact here. Um so you know they they trade him uh what was the guy's name? Huff. Uh they he's a single A catcher. Uh he uh, he's known more defensively. He had a slightly decent offensive season uh, at single A for the Rockies organization. Uh, I mean, better offensively than what we saw from the catching position. Uh, that is not in reference to Naylor. You know, that's reference to the other guys uh, here in Cleveland. So uh, who knows? Who knows what a single A catcher will eventually turn into? Uh, the guy's like uh, 22 years old or something like that. So... Um, you know, we got a while, uh, till we see what happens from that trade, but at least you got something for him. At least you didn't have to non-tender him and just let him walk. 
There's plenty of players in Major League Baseball right now, surprising names that are either getting traded or getting non-tendered and just walking. So, hey, uh, the fact that they came up with something, somebody had the joke on Twitter. Somebody else, this is somebody else's joke. I'm just relaying it to you. Uh, But the fact that the Guardians only know how to make trades with the Padres, Rockies, Rays, and Cincinnati Reds. Like, that literally, and sure enough, it holds true here because they turn around and make another trade with the San Diego Padres. And they just absolutely love trading with the San Diego Padres. Uh, so yeah, so that leads us to uh, the uh, the uh, next trade with Barlow. And uh, I'll wrap up Cal Quantrill by saying I loved his attitude. I did. I loved the bulldog mentality. He was. He did change his pitch mix. Uh, I did look at that. He did change his pitch mix in September when he came back. He was barely throwing that split finger fastball, and he started throwing it uh, 26.3% of the time. His second most used pitch, almost his most used pitch, right under the sinker. Cut down on the amount of cutters he was throwing. Remember, the whole season, it was sinker-cutter, sinker-cutter. I mean, an insane amount of the time in April and May. And he changed, he brought up uh, through more curveballs, uh, and he was throwing earlier in the season, even a few more change-ups than he was throwing earlier in the season. So I, he finally decided to mix it up a little bit. And he, I believe it was something like his arm felt healthy enough to throw those pitches or something like that. Um, so he, he was trying to make some changes, and I do love his attitude, right? He seemed like a, a good guy in the clubhouse, good energy on the mound. When he would, get, he would go from uh, stoic to absolutely on fire at the snap of a finger, right? Which was fun on the mound. That's part of that bulldog mentality people talk about with him. But from 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 a talent standpoint, it just it never developed the way we thought it was going to develop. It just he's a pitch to contact guy, and they're a pitching staff with a strikeout swing and miss mentality. So we'll see what happens in Colorado. I something tells me that Cal Quantrill isn't going to be winning any NL Cy Young awards anytime soon. I, I don't think we I don't think we totally missed the boat on this one. I think Quantrill had a really nice chance here to develop as a starter, and he is what he is. And we'll see if pitching to contact works in course field, right? We'll see if that philosophy works. But it leads us to this Barlow trade. And frankly, if you remember, the eighth inning was a problem last year. Finding a consistent setup man was a big problem last year. You know, uh, a lot of guys got a crack at it. Trevor Steffen had cracks at it. Uh, Henches, De Los Santos had cracks at it. So many guys, Karinchek had cracks at it. So many guys had a chance, and nobody could find consistency to lead to Emmanuel Classe. And Barlow has done it with success uh, in Kansas City, and he's a big slider guy. That's what you're getting with Barlow. You're getting a guy who throws a ton of sliders. Fangraphs had for last year split between Kansas City and San Diego a weighted value on his fastball of minus 3.9, but a weighted value on his slider of plus 7.7. The chain, the curveball uh, dropped off last year. Uh, he struggled with the curveball. The year before, 
The slider had an 8.1 weighted value, and the curveball had an 8.7 weighted value. So this is a guy that uses his breaking balls very effectively, and the Guardians were definitely on the struggling end of some of those sliders. So I would expect Barlow to be the setup man now. I think you're looking at Henches and Stefan and Karinchek in the sixth and seventh innings. This is going to take the pressure off Stefan for sure. And you're looking at Barlow into Emmanuel Classe in the eighth and ninth innings. And Barlow now, oh my God, I'm I'm shocked we didn't get an email here from uh, from our friend uh, Marlon, who was looking for a replacement for not a backup for Emmanuel Classe, I should say. A backup, not a replacement, a backup for Emmanuel Classe to take the pressure off Emmanuel Classe. And now in Barlow, you have a guy that's got closing experience. So Classe doesn't have to pitch three days in a row or, you know, give him 80 innings. You can keep it cool a little bit on Emmanuel Classe and give Barlow, if you got some good matchups where that slider is going to really terrorize people in the ninth inning, you could, you could give Emmanuel Classe a save off and, uh, and let... Uh, let Barlow close a few games. So, yeah, this is a good trade for the bullpen. I'm going to miss De Los Santos. Apparently, you know, uh, the Guardians tweeted out, you know, thank you for everything you did for the team and for the community. I think De Los Santos was a very active person in the community, and he's actually going back to San Diego uh, where he was, I believe he was in the minors with San Diego for a little bit. Um, De Los Santos was pretty good. Here, I'm. You got to be honest with yourself. He was. We got way more than we ever should have gotten out of Enyo De Los Santos when he came from Pittsburgh. He was. He was nothing, right? He had decent strikeout numbers, and that was it. And Cleveland maximized that. He was a strikeout machine for the Guardians. But you know, every time you try to increase his role and increase his responsibility, he did suffer some setbacks, just like. Uh, Trevor Steffen has as well, and and Sam had, and Karen Check. All those guys have not really. That's why none of them are the actual setup man for Emmanuel Classe anymore. But so yeah, so uh, De Los Santos, uh, you know, it, it didn't want to see him go. Wasn't expecting him to get traded this offseason, but Barlow is a big upgrade for the bullpen, and they took on some salary with it. They they take on seven point one million uh, for a guy in his final year of arbitration. So there's nothing on the future books. They just you know, pay him this year, and then whatever happens, happens. This will be interesting to see if this affects uh, Ronaldo Lopez coming back, because if they've already spent this amount of money in the bullpen, are they going to pony up the money for Ronaldo Lopez, who pitched very well after coming over from the Angels? Uh, I kind of indicates to me that probably not, that there's probably only room for one guy making... Uh, decent money in the bullpen. That's just the way Cleveland's operated. And with Antonetti saying that the TV contracts are going to affect things, we'll see what happens with Ronaldo Lopez. But uh, there's your big news. So it, it is a big upgrade for the bullpen. And it, frankly, it's a bigger upgrade than moving Cal Quantrill into the bullpen. Right? If that was your option, Cal Quantrill goes to the bullpen until we need, until someone gets hurt and we need a starter because... Antonetti said in his interview, I, I underestimated. I said you need like eight starters to get through a season. I think 12 guys. And uh, this is what Hoinsey had on Cleveland.com. One of the few times you could actually read an article on Cleveland.com without paying for it. Um, yeah, 14 pitchers started games for Cleveland last year. And seven of them are no longer officially on the roster, right? 
Um, so yeah, so I don't know. I, as much as I'm going to miss Quantrill's energy and his attitude, uh, he was a fun member of the team. I think the Guardians are actually better after these two trades than they were before. So that's your big news going down right there. Uh, yeah, that's our Cleveland Baseball Morning Update. Uh, Bob in Highland Heights has continued to email me things about the Arizona Fall League. Um, our guys came up just short, right? Uh, uh, Manzardo and uh, DeLauder, they, uh, they, they, came, they lost in the finals. I mean, obviously it was a team effort, but they lost in the finals of the Arizona Fall League. So no Arizona Fall League championship banner is going to be hanging out in Goodyear uh, this spring training, unfortunately. But um, he did send me the list. Uh, Jim Callis on MLB.com had his list of top 25 prospects from the Fall League. And number one on that list was not our guy. Number one was Colson Montgomery, the shortstop from Glendale. But number two on that list was Chase DeLauder. Uh, our outfielder. It's going to be really interesting to see where DeLauder, right now he's our number four prospect, MLB's number 85. Uh, He slashed 299, 385, and 529 slugging with more walks than strikeouts, 14 walks to 11 strikeouts. Led the league with 27 RBIs. Um, Yeah, so he's pretty polished at the plate. Uh, they, They really like him as a right fielder of the future. And so, does that change what the Guardians do in right field? Do they not go out and get some power-hitting outfielder because DeLauder is sitting there, maybe ready to go by midseason? Does does he start at AAA and, uh, or AA, and by July he's up here playing in right field? I, it's going to happen fast, I have a feeling, with DeLauder. Uh, he's going to climb those ranks fast. And then the other one... Uh, his number, let's see where he had Monsardo, six. His number six prospect out there. Guardians number two, MLB number 58 overall is Monsardo. Known as a hit overpower guy when he arrived in Arizona, Monsardo burnished his reputation by ranking third with six home runs, hitting another in the fall all-star game and two in the playoff semifinal. He was more aggressive than usual, and his pop is exactly what Cleveland needs in its lineup. And this is the big news, right, Bob and Highland Heights? This is the big one. Uh, As far as someone breaking camp with the team, frankly, this guy gets Josh Bell's spot, if it's up to me. He is starting right there behind Naylor, hitting fifth in this lineup. Uh, Yeah, let's get Manzardo right in there. Uh, Manzardo, Jimenez... That seems like a pretty good lineup. And then figure out uh, Bo Naylor. That's a lot of lefties. It is a lefty-heavy lineup. But, uh, hey, it's what you got. But Manzardo, absolutely. You, you traded Savali for him for a reason. because, And this is it. This is the reason. Uh, this guy has a chance to be a masher in the middle of your lineup. So let's see Manzardo come out and absolutely smoke some balls in a good year this spring. And let's see him make that opening day roster. Let's do it. I don't care about rookie of the year and what it costs the Guardians, yada, yada, uh, as far as uh, uh, contracts go and, and arbitration years and stuff like that. Let's get Manzardo out there and let's play some freaking baseball. All right. That's all I got this morning. Thank you, Bob, for keeping me updated on the Arizona Fall League all all Arizona Fall League season. Uh, I do. I appreciated your emails. 
uh, it was fun to see somebody excited about what was going on out there. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. If you've got thoughts on Cal Quantrill, on Scott Barlow, on the trades that went down, on the direction this team is heading, on how crappy the Bally Sports TV Roku app is, hit me up. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris, but more importantly, email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. I have a feeling that the news is not done flowing from the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, I mean, there have been trades going on like crazy with, you know, relievers moving. Uh, some, some not stars moving yet, but some recognizable names on the move. And so there's a lot going on in Major League Baseball right now. So hit me up, Mornings at gmail.com. Make sure to get your thoughts in before I drop the next episode. Thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Oh,